right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Hope you had a wonderful July 4th. Back at you today, tomorrow, and Friday. Did you have fun July 4th? We got to be here all week? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, well. We don't have to, we don't anymore, like, I I know the recent pattern was work a day, get a day off. Would you rather do that, or would you rather have... No, honestly, I I actually kind of like... The routine? I like the routine. Yeah, I really do. I really like the routine, actually. I would rather... be a little frustrating. You'd never be able to go anywhere, because you only have one day. Exactly, yeah. No, it'd be terrible. I'd rather do 5-2 or 4-3 if they want to give us an extra Mm -hmm. day. I'm cool with that. Let's do 4-3. Uh, so yesterday, the big firework of the day was KU football landing their highest high school recruit ever in the 24-7 sports composite. That is one. I don't know if it's Dakius, Dakius, Dakius. There are a lot of ways you could go with this. Uh, we're just going to call him Dak. I think a lot of places call him that. Dak Brinkley. And he is a six foot three, 220-pound edge defensive end from Katy, Texas. Goes to Katy High School, which is like a very big high school in Texas. Uh, class of 2024, he is a top 25 edge player, uh, basically everywhere you look. He has a 90 grade on the 24-7 sports rankings. And in the 24-7 composite, he is ranked 259th in the country, the number 21 edge, number 47 in the state of Texas, with a grade of .9114. I was talking the other day about grades of .8600, higher being a big deal for KU. He is well above that. Offer list, as you imagine, jumps off the page. Kansas State, Houston, Baylor, SMU, Texas, Texas A&M, TC. Like every Texas school in on this kid uh, to some degree. And uh, somebody who... um, Played on the varsity team as a sophomore, had 36 tackles. Then as a junior, 47 tackles, eight tackles for loss. He is the son of Jasper Brinkley, who is a former like six-year NFL veteran who played college football for South Carolina. This is a gigantic get, no matter how you put it. Yes. Actually, I've been to Katie, by the way. Have you ever been to Katie? I've been there. Uh, I think I have when I was living in Texas, but I, I don't remember, to be honest. It's like a, Katie's not it's the like one a, with the giant... High school stadium. Is that Allen? Mm, I think a lot of schools have John High School Stadium. But no, there's one that it's like the the largest in the country. I think oh. that might be Allen. I don't know. Okay, anyway. Well, I do know that, I mean, because Katie's like, it's like a quote-unquote suburb, but it's so big that it's not really a suburb of Houston, I guess, is what you would call it. I don't know. But anyways, yes, uh, this is a, a massive, massive win for, for KU, obviously. And uh, as you said, highest-rated recruit ever for KU. So very, very significant and the recruiting wins keep coming for for the Jayhawks this summer, and it's been, it's just been really really impressive to see KU build on that success. We've talked about it a lot. The idea that, without a doubt, now you can say that Kansas has effectively capitalized on what they were able to do last season on the recruiting trail, which is huge, right? You have your first really successful season since two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and you're able to turn that quickly into 
one of your best recruiting classes ever looking looking ahead right uh and now it just comes down to continuing to build upon what you did last season this fall on the field as well so Mm -hmm. massive signing for kansas uh big commitment and uh it's it it just continues to speak to what we've been talking about which is lance leipold and the staff have a blueprint and they are following it executing it very very well and really really getting a lot of kids to buy in on what they are selling at kansas and Again, I don't know. I don't know if you're a recruit right now, or if you're somebody. I can't remember who it was that we had on the show a while back. It might have been. Uh, I think it was John Kirby who talked about the idea that in the recruiting in the recruiting world, like it's not going to happen overnight, where you can sort of unravel the overarching theme of Kansas football, which is KU's been really bad for a long time, right? Like. That that you don't just unravel that in the blink of an eye. You don't just completely flip the script on that right away. But Kansas has done an excellent job of changing the script on that. To this is a program with a lot of upward trajectory. This is a program that's about to be building a new football stadium. Uh, it, already in increasing their facilities. They're doing the more locker room and Anderson football complex stuff this summer. I think right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know they're increasing their facilities. They're about to build a new stadium. Lance Leipold is the guy that appears to be in it for the long haul. So this is not a situation where, you know, it's not like you have a coach who is looking to just use Kansas as a stepping stone to a better job. Lance Leipold, by all accounts, seems like he's somebody who intends to to be at Kansas for, for a while. Well, certainly it seems like if that was not the case, last year was the ultimate offseason exactly. to test it, right? Exactly, yes. So, you know, you're going to have some, some serious stability at the head coach, it looks like, for the next, you know, multiple years. You're going to be building a stadium. You're increasing your facilities. You're coming off your best season since 2009. I don't know how you could be a high school recruit right now in these next upcoming classes and look at Kansas and say, "Wow, this is this is a, a program that offers me an opportunity an opportunity to get it on the ground floor of building something that could become really, really, really consistent and really, really special for Kansas." So, and Lance Leipold and his staff, as I said, have done a great job of taking all of that, everything I just mentioned. And channeling it perfectly into whatever message they're trying to 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 sell to recruits, and it's it's paid off excellently so far uh, on this off season with all the different recruits they've been getting, and it's now capped off with getting Dak Brinkley, the best that Kansas has ever had uh, from a recruit ranking standpoint. So, really, really impressive stuff, and uh, uh, yeah, I think you just you can't say enough about what Kansas has done this off season with with uh, everything they've done recruiting-wise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this feels like the cherry on top. Uh, Jordan yeah, Peterson. This, this really does feel like the sort of the final crown jewel, so to speak, of you've had a fantastic offseason, boom, you get the highest rated recruit ever. It might just be from a numbers standpoint, too. Like, this might be the final recruit they take in the class. And and for this, if it is your last one to, you know, in theory be your best one, that that's pretty incredible for, for you to kind of finish off that way. The only recruit, who uh, has a higher grade on the 24-7 composite than Dak Brinkley, that committed to KU, is Markel Combs. Uh, but he was a JUCO commit. The yeah. only high school commit, or there, I'm sorry, there is no high school commit with a higher composite grade right now than what he has that that has committed to KU. And when you look at just uh, edge-slash-defensive end players who have committed to KU from the high school ranks since the 24-7 composite arrived in 2010. They have two of the top three that they've ever gotten in the same class. So, I mean, this this is taking recruiting to a whole nother level 
for what Lance Leipold and, and everything is doing. And now this this such a we've talked a lot about how, you know, if if you get close to filling up or if you do fill up all the high school kids you want to take in your class this early on, it really gives you a lot of leeway to do a lot of other things, whether that's uh, doing more game planning, whether that's uh, starting to recruit the, the class of 2025 and beyond, whether that's just continually recruiting and trying to retain the guys you have. It gives you more time to do important stuff. And so I, I, I do think that Kansas is at a point here where yeah, if if because Nick Marsh, for instance, is committing on July seventh, like maybe part of you would think that, well, you know, Dak Brinkley committing to KU. A lot of times, recruits um, they do or don't want to go to a school based on the fact that, like, well, are you getting other good recruits to come as well? Like I remember uh, Amani Bledsoe, like he ended up going to Oklahoma, and part of that was like he wanted KU to land maybe some other players, and and some stuff didn't end up happening there, uh, to where. You know, you didn't feel comfortable committing because you want to know there are other really good players that are going to be committing with you, right? So maybe this makes it more likely than Nick Marsh. Now, there was like a crystal ball pick today for Michigan State to Nick Marsh. Maybe that makes it unlikely. But, but basically where I'm going with this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nick Marsh, your Michael Boganowskis, which again, we'll talk about him later in the show and stuff. Uh, these guys who you have as like top tier targets, who are these like high level recruits where you're going to basically just say yes to accepting that you've targeted, that you've recruited, that you've had visits with, that you would take no matter what. Of course, you would still have those guys aboard and deal with the class numbers at that point. But I think outside of those guys, like those top tier guys, you're probably kind of done at this point, which is which is nice to have. This early in season, as we've talked about. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really impressive. And and you're right, the flexibility you have to, uh, you know, focus on. I think, I think, honestly, an underrated part of this is you, your focus on retainment. But number two, you don't need, you don't need to feel like in the fall during the season you're trying to pick up commits on the high school side too, right? This is a situation where. In the fall, you can just focus on what you need to do on the football field in the fall. You've already got a bunch of guys in the fold. Keep them in the fold and go out and you know do what you need to do on the field, right, with the team you have, uh, which which I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that any coach would ever admit to the idea of like recruiting sort of affecting their what they're doing like in season. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody would ever admit to that, but – I have a hard time believing that that might not happen occasionally, where you might not be worried about, you know, recruiting or whatever for the next season while you're in the current season you're in. I I have to believe that there are probably some coaches out there that have had those thoughts. Yeah, right? for sure. I don't think you have to worry about that now if you're Kansas, which is very out, nice. You can yeah. just go out and you know focus on what you're doing and and do what you need to do. So uh, that's fantastic. I mean, listen, you, we hear it all the time. Recruiting nowadays, the college recruiting has become a twenty four seven three sixty five job. It really has. Uh, but for Kansas, they've pretty much almost hit everyone that they wanted to get this summer. And that takes a lot of pressure off them going into the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of recruiting, how about we move to the basketball side of things where KU basketball might not be done. What do you say to that? What? Yeah. No, they're done. Done. They're done? Okay. Oh, done. Very well, done. Could not be more done. Like, think of the hard. most done thing you can think of. Even more done than that. Okay. Uh, Ithiel Horton, again, I don't know how if that's how you pronounce the first name. Uh, Ithiel, um, Ithiel, I don't, I don't know. Uh, he uh, is a transfer 
from a lot of schools. He started his career, at, we, we talked about him in Into the Transfer Portal about a week ago. Uh, he was in the hmm column. He he started his career at Delaware. Where? <laughs> Delaware. Who? Um, no, that one doesn't work. Uh, over 13 points per game there. Then he transfers to Pittsburgh, and he sits out the 2019-20 season due to what? transfer rules. I know. A kid sitting out via transfer now, right? That just never happens. Uh, so then he plays the the 2020 to 21 year at Pittsburgh. When? 2020 to 21. Then 2021 to 2022, he also plays at Pittsburgh. Why? But at that point, because he plays basketball. And then uh, he transfers again last year to UCF, where he was a like redshirt senior, technically like fifth year junior because of the COVID year. And last year at UCF, who was in the AAC, now is moving to the Big 12. Average over 12 points per game, uh, three and a half rebounds per game, assist and a half, uh, almost a steal and a half per game. Low turnover numbers. Uh, doesn't shoot it super well from two, only 41% from two last year. But shot well from three, 35%, which isn't like abundantly great, but it's above average. And then when you add in that he took 6.6 attempts per game on a team that probably didn't have a lot of other great players, that number looks even more impressive. Also, 83% from the free throw line. Over the course of his career, uh, over all the stops he's been at, three previous schools, so this next one would be school number four for him and year six of college, he's averaged 11.5 points per game, three rebounds, one and a half assists, one steal on, again, not really shooting well on two-point shots, but 37.6% from three on 5.9 attempts per game, which, again, is a very high number of attempts, 80.8% from the free throw line. We were actually going over some numbers before the show. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. That 37.6% from Ithiel Horton is the exact percentage that Jalen Coleman Land shot for his college career. Yeah, I got to be honest. When I first was looking into this, I was kind of being a hater. I was like, what do we – Why? What is the what's the reasoning behind this? Like you you you're trying. I mean, I I we think you're trying to not have full scholarships because you need to get rid of a couple of them for your self-imposed sanctions. The team is already pretty much filled out in terms of you know your top seven eight guys that are going to be primarily playing. Probably, I just wasn't really sure what the fit would be. Uh, and then I looked at his three point shooting percentage and I was like. Okay, that's pretty good, but I mean, how good is it? Mm -hmm. And then just like you brought up, Jalen Coleman Lance, as for his career, was shooting the exact same yeah. when he came to KU. Yeah. So now all of a sudden it's like, okay, if you're gonna bring him on as sort of some extra three point shooting insurance. Well, to be clear, he actually was shooting below that before he came to KU. It's after the KU year that he ended up at thirty seven six. So this guy's even better coming to KU. Theoretically, I mean, yeah, because because Coleman Land shot forty four point eight percent from three at Kansas. I think part of that is you're another year older. Another part of that is stand in the corner and shoot. Exactly, the threes he was getting at Kansas are different than the threes he was getting at DePaul or Iowa State, yeah. where he's like a primary option. Stay that in would the be corner. The same with Ithiel Horton. Get right? the ball. Shoot. Yeah, you put him into KU system, he's probably only, I, I don't know how much he's playing, but he might only get a couple threes per game. He's probably shooting 40%, right? Um, I, I think you can project that so out. So, basically now, I understand the logic behind it a little more, and I can see KU's interest here, because we've kind of floated this discussion, right? But, like, what if Nick Timberlake doesn't shoot as well as we think he mm -hmm. can? How much does that lower KU's overall ceiling? Potentially quite a bit. Right, like that could really, really hamstring them if they don't have a reliable elite three-point shooter, like we think Nick Timberlake can be. I'm not saying that Timberlake is going to be, not is not going to be that, but like, like because again, I think we had this discussion a while back where it's like, if Nick Timberlake comes to KU and he shoots 35, percent that's 
that you feel kind of disappointed. I mean, I think you're right. expecting him to shoot at least 37, 38% probably. Uh, so, again, if he's not quite there for whatever reason, if it's just a transition to better competition, maybe he doesn't get as many open looks. Do you need another pers- another player that can step in and hit- be a knockdown shooter? The answer to that question may be yes. So now I kind of understand a little more, and I can see the role a little bit more for a guy like this to where, like you said, come into the game, five, ten minutes a game, stand in the corner, shoot threes. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds kind of rude, but it's not. It's like that. That's that's what it is. Yeah. No, it very much is. Um, it's it's literally because we have mentioned before. We have mentioned many times. Would KU be interested in bringing someone in in the Jalen Coleman lands role? And what is that yes. role exactly? It's a shooter off the bench, correct? Who is basically in one regard insurance. Like Jalen Coleman lands was insurance in case Ochag Baji um, didn't come back to school. If he would have stayed in the draft, and that doesn't mean that he would have taken Ochai's place, that he would have been Ochai, that he would have started, right? Then then at that point, you're probably, the starting lineup would have just ended up being Remy, Dewan, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, and, and David McCormick, right? Uh, but it gives you insurance in case something happens. And he's a really good shooter. And he actually can if there's a player out, or maybe he even is the eighth man in the rotation, which sometimes the eighth man plays every night. Sometimes it doesn't in a Bill Self system. I think that's exactly how I view this guy. That, yeah, like you said, if Nick Timberlake, if it's not working out, or if uh, Kevin McCuller gets injured, or, you know, say Dewan Harris rolls an ankle and is out a week, and now you have to play more minutes of El Marco and Arterio at the one to where you need more minutes of somebody to play the two and three, you can get this guy in there and. I think also there is even a role on this specific team for a guy who is your kind of eighth man in the rotation to even play like 10, 15 minutes a game, which is uh, more consistent than Jalen Coleman lands got. So I, if he's willing to do it, because it has to be the right situation, right? It has to be somebody who's oh, yeah. willing to accept that, has to be an older player that is cool, because that was part of why Jalen Coleman lands came. This guy is certainly old. He's he played is. at 17 schools. Yes, this will be his sixth year of college. He's played at 29 schools. He's <laughs> I played at 900 schools. Jalen Coleman lands... Uh, came to Kansas and he was he was adamant that like this isn't just about basketball like I he kind of had the understanding at that point as an older player I'm not an NBA guy right so I can play overseas and, and I forget if he has been playing overseas or not like he has the good enough jump shot to do it um, but I also want to set myself up for the world after basketball and for all the connections I'm going to get at KU and being a part of a winning team. And that is invaluable, and he ended up winning a title, and I'm sure he has a lot of great connections from it as a guy who uh, is kind of an entrepreneur a little bit. I You wonder if that's the same thing with Ithiel Horton, right? Like m- maybe your understanding of that, that, you know, I put up eight points per game, nine points per game. Last time I was at the Power Five with Pitt, I put up like 13 points per game at UCF when we weren't very good. Would I rather just be a player who's playing 10, 15 minutes per game, be a veteran player, set myself up for life after basketball, possibly oh, be oh, on by a really the way, good winning team? Yeah, and also possibly win a national championship. Right. There's something appealing to that. From Kansas' perspective, they would love to have a player like that, but you can't bring someone in if they're expecting to play big minutes because you don't want to upset your current guys you have, and also you don't want someone who you're bringing in who it's like, yeah, I need a giant NIL bag. Now, yeah, every or player negatively affect locker. Yes, every player on KU, if you're on KU, is going to get a good sum of money from NIL with all the stuff that the Kansas has set up for them to get just that. Yeah. But this isn't going to be like, you know, with Hunter Dickinson, it might be, "Hey, this is how much we could possibly get you." With this kid, you're not going to do that. Like if with your 12th scholarship player, that's not going to be the case. But I I would absolutely love this. I think this would make so much sense for Kansas if if they're able to kind of get this to work out. Do you think it makes sense to do you think this is 
this guy is basically worth the idea of foregoing your extra scholarship next year. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Like, like basically, would you rather have 11 guys this year so that you can have 12 or 13 the next year, or would you rather have 12 this year and then still take and then – you yeah, because I mean? you still have to spread it out. Right. The the way that I view it is that the difference between having a twelfth guy this year, either way, you're probably at twelve next year. So when I say next, so okay, twenty twenty five. Yeah. So right now you're at eleven for we're gonna call this year twenty twenty three twenty four. Yes. I, I mean it is. Um, then the following year you would still be at twelve. Yes. For twenty four twenty five. Yes. The difference of if you add. If you'll Horton or a twelfth player in this year, twenty five, twenty six, yeah, you would have 12. twelve instead of thirteen. Yeah, and to me, that's really not that big of a deal. I would rather have that twelfth yeah. guy this year when you have national title hopes, when you could use an extra guy in case of injury. That you know you've had, like we've talked about, Kevin McCuller has had injury stuff in the past, and and have another guy that you know. What if the KJ Adams playing the four thing doesn't work, and now you're stretched more thin, and you do need more guards and wings. I think this is a perfect fit. I think it makes a lot of sense as long as he's okay with that role, which, you know, based on his past college career, a lot of it is be. similar to Jalen Coleman-Lance. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Trey Lotta of the Kansas City Stars is going to join us in about 15 minutes. And right now, this is KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, KLWN, with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and joined now by Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star. You can check out all his work in the Star or at KansasCity.com. Uh, just had his mailbag piece come out. He uh, also just wrote a story getting a chance to talk to Jalen Daniels. And I want to start right there uh, in speaking with Jalen Daniels about Lance Leipold changing the culture at KU. What was kind of the resounding theme or maybe the the most notable thing that you took away from that conversation and, and just how he was able to do that and, and what the biggest, I guess, talking points were as part of that. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting that he mentioned, uh, you know, how the expectation of Kansas football has changed. I mean, you know, he talked about where they were playing close games against you know, FCS schools and, you know, the expectation was just sticking around in games, not winning games. Um, and when Lance came in, it just shifted, you know. He was like, if you want to reach these goals that you guys have for yourself, you have to start thinking differently. You have to start, uh, you know, preparing differently. Um, and I think that's one of the bigger reasons the culture shift. I mean, obviously, you saw the full transition from, you know, going zero and nine his his freshman year uh, to two and ten, then to last year making the bowl game, and then we've seen the dividends pay off in recruiting. So I think it's one of those things that has been. A slow buildup, but really Lance has kind of come in and helped shift KU's culture because of his mentality, and I think that's infected itself kind of uh, in a positive way to the players. Yeah, and, and from that notion, I know it was more so a conversation about how Lance Leipold did it, but how much of a sense do you get that Jalen Daniels is responsible for a big part of this culture change as well? I mean, I think it's huge. He mentioned when, after his freshman year, uh, you know, when when Les was gone and, and Lance came in, he was like, it wasn't just sticking around because of the coaching staff. I was sticking around because of the 20 other guy uh, I had come in with. He said, you know, I mentioned there was uh, like about, you know, 26 true freshmen and uh, I wanted to convince them to stick around and play Kansas football. So he was sitting there like, you know, I've come in and I've become that guy and I want to make sure my class sticks around and that's why he stuck around Kansas. And it, it's very clear 
Jalen has never thought about, you know, leaving Kansas uh, or even really considered like transferring out anywhere despite the rumors otherwise. Um, he's one of those guys, and I'll write about this in the big feature later this year uh, or later this couple months. Uh, just, you know, I think he kind of linked it to building, you know, you have a Toyota Corolla, you're trying to build it to a Maserati. Why would you leave for a Ferrari for one year? <laughs> That's what he called it, which I thought was a super, super interesting uh-huh. thing. Um, so it's a clear, he's clear, uh, loyalty based guy, a guy who's kind of bought in to Kansas football culture. Okay. To that notion, you, you mentioned the, I don't know, counter to the rumors, so to speak. And, and again, like I, it doesn't seem like there were ever legs to any of that. Maybe it was just more of a fan panic of like, oh, you see all these good players, you know, going to Kansas basketball, for instance, where KU basketball is maybe poaching the other schools. You know, what happens if KU football, that becomes of them? And, uh, you know, with Jalen Daniels being from LA, like, would that lead to anything? Uh, so knowing, knowing what you know now, and just based off those rumors, which again, ended up not being true, is there any part of you that thinks those rumors could have been about Jalen Daniels camp, making sure they were getting taken care of NIL wise from KU uh, and just that, you know, Hey, Hey, make sure you're taking care of us. Cause we do have other options, even though in the back of their mind, it was like, no, we're staying. I don't think so. I mean, it's clear. One thing with Jalen is he doesn't like rumors. Uh, you know, when, I wrote about it in a different story with the shoulder injury stuff. You know, when the tweet went off that um, another reporter, former reporter, reported that, you know, he's out for the year, he was like, it really pissed me off because he's like, who's telling that stuff? It's nobody. And then, you know, to hear that my family's telling them that stuff, I know my family wouldn't say anything like that, um, I think was super important because he was like, no, that guy got clad off this, et cetera. So one of the things I feel like is rumors kind of sometimes surround Jalen and he doesn't necessarily know the cause of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's somebody outside the camp that he has, um, but he keeps things close to his chest. Uh, and when he made that Adidas commercial, kind of, you know, like that hype video, he told me it was a one-time thing. And he said, you know, after the video, a couple of teammates came up to him. He was like, bro, I didn't even think you were like considering leaving. He's like, yeah, man, I just put it out there to make sure the rumors kind of get squashed, uh, which I thought was super interesting. Yeah, no, I, I don't think NIL was super, super relevant in the in the case. I think it was him just, you know, wanting to make sure that people aren't talking about him leaving going out west or wherever. Yeah. No, no, that's very interesting to kind of quash all those things that uh, certainly, uh, you know, some people, like you said, were, were kind of running with for – for I guess illegitimate reasons, and I guess from from Jalen's perspective, like no matter where he is, he was going to make probably a good uh, amount on NIL with with how explosive of a personality he is, like in a positive way. Uh, speaking of which, and, and you talked about this, the culture change having an impact on recruiting. Quite the Fourth of July uh, firework for KU football, adding Dak Brinkley. That just comes a couple days after they got Deshaun Warner to pick KU, in addition to all these other big time recruits that have kind of picked them over the last several weeks. Going back to that culture conversation, how much do you think of what KU is doing on the recruiting trail shows the culture change inside the program? I think it's immense. I mean, you know, Peterson's been on on quite a tear, picking up some DBs. Uh, I mean, it's clear that the winning has impacted recruiting, but also just, you know, the coaching staff and the recruitment from each individual skills position coach has been on point. Um, I think it's been super, super impressive just to see that people want to be a part of the change that Kansas has put together. Um, and they want to be able to say that, hey, they were on the forefront of that. I mean, right now, KU is on the verge 
of another year where they're being kind of put in the bottom of the conference for most projections. It's a hard schedule. It's all that. But it, it's clear that the mentality of this KU football team is we don't care. We were doubted last year. Why not repeat it and be even better this year? Mm-hmm. We're talking with Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, switching over to some KU basketball, Ithiel Horton is scheduled to visit this weekend. He's a transfer from all sorts of schools before KU, most recently at UCF. Do you think that's an indication that KU is adamant about adding a 12th scholarship player, or do you think they're only looking for an exact fit? I think it's more of an exact fit. It's one of those things where, I mean, self talked about a couple times, where if there's a good fit, we'll add. Otherwise, we're kind of happy with the way the roster is. Um, I'm, I'm going to curious to see how the visit goes and, and where else. I was talking to uh, a guy that covered UCF, and you know he hasn't talked to him in a little bit, but he was saying he hasn't had a ton of other scheduled visits uh, from what he was been told. Uh, so I, I thought it was interesting that he's making the Kansas visit. Uh, so it seems like there is some real interest there from both sides. Okay, and uh, I don't know, maybe the Jalen Coleman lands role or something like that. Good shooter at his last stop. Not, not a ton else there. Do you think the idea of bringing him in would be to just kind of be an emergency player where it's like, oh, we've seen Kevin McCuller get injured, like if, if that happens, or uh, I guess it gives you extra insurance for if Nick Timberlake, if, if something doesn't work out there, or there's an injury, or do you think that beyond that, it could be an actual player who comes in and, and maybe beats out Marcus Adams, Jamari McDowell for, for maybe that last spot in the rotation and gets real minutes for the team. I mean, I think it could be a guy that, I mean, just looking at his stats and kind of his um, background, he could be a guy that beats out one of those last couple spots. Um, you know, he, he has real playing experience. He has, uh, you know, experience that guys like Marcus Adams and Marcus McDowell don't have, you know, playing against college basketball players. Um, I think he could be a guy that, if they do bring him in, could contend for those you know last couple rotation spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if this doesn't work out, going back to the idea, looking for the perfect fit, I guess it wouldn't shock you if they stayed at eleven. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Okay, uh, so there was some news uh, from some of the NBA stuff. Obviously, Grady Dick is a Toronto Raptor. He's a first round pick. He gets a guaranteed contract, but with Jalen Wilson. You didn't know how that was going to work out being a second-round pick. Now, sometimes some of the higher second-round picks end up getting you know, guaranteed deals. I think I saw Colby Jones, who went in the, the mid-30s, got like a four-year guaranteed deal. Jalen, meanwhile, goes 51st. It was announced today that he's going to be on a two-way contract. How much more difficult does Jalen Wilson's path now get being on a two-way deal? I definitely think it's a little more difficult. I will say the one thing I think will be really nice is get a lot of playing time in the G League. Um, it, it definitely becomes interesting because now you have to kind of show, hey, I need to show that you know prerequisite skills needed for them to solidify a real like you know NBA contract instead of just a like a limited contract like the two way is. Um, but I think in a, in a lot of ways it could be really good because he's going to get playing time uh, that I think he not not have necessarily gotten if he was picked up on a regular deal. Uh, he would have probably been buried on, on the bench uh, as, as a second rounder uh, for quite some time. But I think this will allow him to kind of work on a couple of things that they're probably looking for. Like, you know, is the shooting real? Um, you know, what else can he add as, as a role player um, overall? Do you have a, a maybe player comp of what the ideal scenario for Jalen Wilson do you think would look like for, for an NBA career? Ooh, uh 
maybe like a guy like Sadiq Bey, uh, you know, eventually that could be a role, a guy who can kind of play three and D, uh, a little bit of skills here and there. Um, you know, Jalen's pretty good at the mid range. Uh, Sadiq is a nice role player. Uh, I think that could be a decent comp. I think the biggest and the hardest thing with the issue with Jalen has always been, what is his role going to be look like in the NBA? And we've talked about it. You know, what is his elite skill? If his elite skill is shooting, as, you know, Self said he was as good a shooter as any shooter that they've had or player they had in some workouts, then that's huge because he does a lot of other things really pretty good, pretty well, um, which I think is big. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. I. Because I, I know we've had conversations about uh, what you just talked about. Like, can you be uh, – because if, if you're going to be a guy coming off the bench, you have to fit a specific role, you have to fit a specific niche that you're good at, some sort of skill set, right? Whether it's somebody who comes off the bench and just hits threes or somebody who comes off the bench and just plays defense or whatever it is. I, I do think that I the more I thought about this – a lot of times guys who are just like winning players and work as hard as he does and you know have the collegiate production he does who aren't like centers maybe they can carve out a role because they they're they're just smart enough to figure it out and i guess i i don't know what what do you think about this player comp uh like Caleb Martin uh, a guy who at, at Nevada was you know this kind of like mid-range type of shooter like he was he was an okay three-point shooter in his time at Nevada uh could could kind of beat you off the dribble occasionally but wasn't like an ultra efficient player kind of a jack of all trades in that way and, and now has worked his way from being I guess a role player with Charlotte to get, then getting waived and then being a role player on a winning team with Miami is that far-fetched that that could happen to Jalen Wilson no I, I definitely think it could happen I think the one thing I just want to see is consistent three-point shooting from him, but I could really see it. I mean, he is a smart basketball player. He does a lot of things really well. And I think, you know, he surprised a lot of people this year with the season that he had. So why can't he do the same thing at the NBA level? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. He works his tail off. Um, he's a great basketball player. He's really matured as a player and as a leader on and off the court. Um, and I think, you know, he could definitely develop into a Caleb Martin type player. And that's a long NBA career. We're talking with Treyas Lotta of the Kansas City Star here for a few more minutes on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. How much NBA Summer League do you watch, or is it completely don't care? Uh, I try to watch all the KU guys because I'm always interested. I mean, it's fun because, you know, I've covered a lot of, I mean, Brady, Jalen, and then some of the other guys. I mean, like, I watch the Celtics because I'm a Celtics fan. I want to see if there's anybody interesting. I'm trying to see how Jordan Walsh looks because I got to see him up close in Kansas here. Um, I, I'll watch Wemby. I'll watch Scoot. I mean, I. There, it kind of just depends on the team and the prospect. Like, I'm not going to watch Brandon Miller I don't really care about the Hornets that much, you know. But I'll watch Wemby. I'll watch Scoot. I'll watch the, the KU guys. And I'll watch the Celtics. Okay. Um, and, and how important, like, uh, do you value any performances from, like, like for Grady Dick, I, I don't think it really matters much. But for Jalen Wilson, like, how much do you think that does matter um, for his performance for I don't know, make it a push on, on the expectations in, in a rookie year? I think one thing that for, for Jalen is, like the two things I want to see is three-point shooting and the willingness to kind of be a role player, uh, you know, and play, you know, with the touches. The issue with Summer League has always been the guys that shine are the guys who take a ton of shots. And Jalen Wilson can't play like that if he wants a long NBA career. He knows that. So, you know, the guys who have the ball in their hands all the time – you know, aren't going to be the top-tier prospects or, you know, some of the older guys that think they, they should play in the NBA or whatever uh, still. But if Jalen can show that he has a good three-point shot, 
make the most of the opportunities with the ball in his hands, play some good defense. I think that goes a long way uh, in solidifying himself into making uh, sure it's not just a two-way contract next year, but a real contract. Uh, and uh, fun one to finish. What happens first? Twitter dies or the Pac-12 gets a new media deal? <laughs> oh my God! I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is really tough. I'm gonna say uh, Twitter dies, unfortunately, which mm-hmm. I hope Twitter does not die. <laughs> I have no faith in the uh, Pac-12 media deal. I feel like we've been hearing about it for ages now, and you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the venture TV in the next. Whenever it happens. <laughs> okay. And uh, maybe see you on Blue Sky in a few weeks. We'll, we'll see if that works yeah. out. All right. Well, uh, Shreyas, I appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. That was Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. You can check out all his work in both of those places. And uh, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got our KU mailbag coming up next. If you have any last-second questions, hit us up at RCST1320 on our Twitter page. We also have an edition of Hey, What's Going On over there with San Diego State later in the show. Uh, Some, I guess, recruiting news, whether it's KU and and other stuff going on. And then uh, we have Florida Man Mad Libs coming up in the 5 o'clock hour at about 5.20. This is RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn klwn.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have a Hey, What's Going On over there? Florida Man Mad Libs, more KU football coming. Hey, what's going on over where? Over there. Oh, yeah. Over there. Over there. Right oh, over nice. there. Right Perfect. Over there. I really wanted to know what's going on. It's over actually there. not right over there because oh. we're going to be talking about some uh, San Diego State <laughs> stuff. But before we get into any of that, oh, we have way over there. another edition of KU Mailbag. Your favorite. Yes. Literally the best mm-hmm. award-winning, greatest segment of all time, as voted by uh, everyone. <laughs> everyone in the history <laughs> of the world. Correct. Yes. Uh, so thank you to everybody for submitting questions. You can submit questions, too, at RCST1320. Yes. Please DM submit, us. Please submit reply, questions. Anything. Text. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And uh, even and if we don't get no to No matter what the week, question is, within, like, as long as it's not like you know dirty or messed up or anything. Oh well, that too. Well, yeah. we will, we will, we will. Answer. Yeah, eventually. It doesn't matter what the question is. Does not matter what it is. Any topic, any subject. Nothing is off. I don't know if we should open up that. I am open. I'm okay. opening it up right now. All right, you you want to open up that can of worms? Fine. First up from Frank, is there a floor on KU football wins that impacts stadium plans? Uh, yeah, zero. So you think if they go zero and twelve? They would reconsider their stadium situation. So I don't know that there's a floor in terms of them reconsidering the situation. Yeah, I guess I'm confused. Either like, way, what do, you, they like, know, what do you think would change? I think what he's basically alluding to is the idea of like if KU only wins X amount of games, yeah, do the donors stop bringing in the donations that it delays the stadium renovations? Okay, yeah, I mean, zero. The stadium needing to be renovated is not new. Shayan Zanger started that, uh, you know, at the tail end of his time with KU. Yeah, and like. They're yeah, still, breaking news, the stadium's old. Right. They still know they're going to need stadium renovations. But yeah, if they, if they only win a certain amount of games, because right now, you're coming off a of bowl season, you have all this excitement, you're getting yeah. all these great donations in there and donor support and stuff that's allowing you to have some of these facilities. If you're not getting the donor support, then you could still have the idea of, hey, we still want to fix the stadium and all this, but... It might take another year after that. It might take another couple years after that if you're not getting that support until you are getting the support. I think it would be I mean, even, realistically, it would be like 
three. I think one or two. You think one or two? I think one or two. I, I, I can don't know, see man. you being if there you with go three. three and nine. That's, that's going to be really disappointing. That's pretty poopy. But like, yeah. what if? But if you go three and nine, and one of your wins is K State, mm-hmm. great. I guess that's part of it too. Like, who are you beating, right? If your three wins are Oklahoma, Texas, and K State, you know they're Greatest still going to be enough there. Of all time. We do. Yeah. We could be even better than Nebraska being three and <laughs> that's nine. That's true. Yeah, because that. What if? What if you just have like the weirdest three and nine season where uh, you just have the worst turnover luck, the worst one score game luck, injuries. like you're in every game injuries, yeah. and you just go three and nine. I think it would it would slow the progress maybe a little bit, but like. I think people would still understand they're still on the up and up with Lance Leipold and the staff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think one or two wins at that point, you're walking away like, what the heck happened this year? There's yeah, no suck. way that should have happened. No, that would really And suck. at that point, it's probably, maybe it I does lead to a delay of one know, year or something. I don't know if I would be able to survive. Mm. Going two and ten. If they, if, yeah, if they, if they won zero, I mean, the donations would just stop to the stadium <laughs> at that point. But realistically, this team should win more than any of those things we just talked about. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, to me, the floor season for this team is like four, four wins. Yeah, I agree with that. And the ceiling is maybe... I, I honestly think the ceiling... This might sound crazy. I think the ceiling is legitimately a 9 or 10 win team. Um, That doesn't mean you're going to get to the ceiling, but like... Sure. You know, every game that we view and is like, oh, that's a coin flip game because it's a bowl game. If you're a team that's a top 15 game, those games all of a sudden become, oh, it's only a six and six team. As opposed to how we're viewing it now, which is like, oh, it's a six and six team. That's tough, right? <laughs> it's just different now you view it. So I'm sure uh, we'll get into yeah. this a lot more as we close to the season. But my current prediction for KU, which I guess could change over the next month or two before we get to the season. My current prediction is, is uh, six and six. Okay. My current, my current prediction is seven and five because I just want to continue to maintain I'm taking the over. Just kind of blindly okay. taking it. I thought it was five and a half. So you could get it with six. I thought it was six and a half. Oh. I've seen some it places is. it has moved down to six, but nonetheless, okay. that's okay. what I'm going sure. with. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one from Jeff. If you could pick one KU football player to win the Heisman this year who's not the quarterbacks, you can't take Jalen Daniels or I guess in a, in a word where, world where Jason Bean takes over and becomes the Heisman winner, that would be a wild story. Uh, who would it be? Jared Casey. Mm, just for the, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> but what would it Dude, take, that would man? Be so good. When's the last time a that tight end? That would be end? so, so good. Just, it would be just be hilarious. It would just be the greatest storyline of all time. So apparently only like, two tight ends have won the Heisman ever. Larry Kelly, Kelly in 1936. Who? And Leon Hart in 1949. <laughs> now, in this... Scenario, you can pick whoever you want, right? Yeah. yeah, I can pick whoever I want. So but, uh, but I guess the way I'm saying that is like, should we view it as realistic options? <laughs> you know, I mean, dude, the last 100 Heisman winners have been quarterbacks. I know, so there is no realistic option. There's the occasional running back. We say Devonte Smith at receiver. Oh right? my bad. What? My bad. One, one. Okay, I, you're right. Screw that. Um, Jared Casey. Well, I will say if Jared Je- Casey or or Kobe Bryant, I'm surprised you didn't want to go with your offensive lineman hypothetical. Oh, we just get a thousand pancakes. Yeah, you get a thousand pancakes and he's the greatest Logan offensive Brown. lineman ever. Yeah, Logan Logan Brown. That would be a lot of fun, right? Yeah, Logan Brown finishes the year with a hundred pancakes. Okay, wait. What about like from a scenario of trying to figure out how much it impacts the team? What if your punt Damon Graves is the kid from uh, Australia? The punter? Would him winning Heisman, how impactful would that be? Because That'd that be point, terrible. 
for a punter to win Heisman, they'd have to average what, like seventy yards per punt. You'd also have More to punt that. twenty 90? times a game. So that w- that would be terrible. Okay, that would no. mean your offense would be yeah, horrible. That's true. But what if it's all, what if it's less about that? What if literally every punt that comes off his foot, no matter where he punts it from, is going out of bounds at the opposing team one yard line? But <laughs> that's just I just don't think if okay. the offense was terrible, fine, sure. But you want the offense that's to good be point. good. Oh, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, the same reason as like what if you know what if it was uh, the kicker? What if it was O and P? Seth Keller or Seth Keller. But that would mean Ever- they'd have to be kicking 5,000 field goals the a game. The problem with ONP winning the Heisman is we'd have to actually learn how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> so I don't want to go with that hypothetical. <laughs> That's too crazy of a world to live in. Uh, I, I think from a uh, standpoint of like helping the team most, because again, you can't pick quarterback here, I would argue one of two people. I would say Devin Neal or Jeremy Robinson. Yeah. No, Devin Neal's probably the best option. Because if Devin Neal, to win Heisman at a running back at this day and age, like I mean, the team have to has to be great. Like 2,000 yards. Yeah. I mean, at the very touchdowns. least, you got to run for like 16 to 1,800 with a bunch of touchdowns and have big numbers in the receiving game. But realistically, yeah, yeah you're probably going to have to run for 2,000, yeah. right? Yeah. And if you tell me Devin Neal's going to run for 2,000 yards <laughs> with everything else they have on offense in the passing That'd game and at the quarterback. Wild. Right? I mean, you're probably the best offense in the country. If you guarantee Devin Neal is winning the Heisman and he's running for 2,000 yards, I I think that's exactly best right. You're the best the offense in the country. And at that point, your floor and your ceiling is is so high, right? Like, yes. even if you have the worst defense, you're still winning eight games if you have the best offense in the country. I would say more than likely, yeah. I mean, that Oklahoma team with Kyler Murray, they were legitimately yeah. like, it was like 118th or something in the country in Their defense. defense was really bad. But they were the number one offense and they made the playoff. Yeah. So, yeah, I would take that. But like, if Jeremy Robinson, because we, we never see defensive players win it, it's very seldom we see them even be like a finalist. That would mean Jeremy Robinson would have to have like 20, 20 sacks. sacks. Yeah, that would be minimum. so I don't impactful. Even know if 20 sacks would be enough. Yeah. Well, same thing with Kobe Bryant. How many interceptions does Kobe Bryant have to have? Gosh. He'd probably have to have like double digits and then also and then be your like, like kick return or punt return and then or have something. Like, well, I'm thinking if he had like. If he has like nine picks, but like three of them are pick sixes. Mm-hmm. And they're always like in big moments, yep. like ones to beat Oklahoma or something, yep. right? Where it's like a Heisman moment. And he also yep. would have to return kicks at that point, I think, to get the all-purpose yards. Maybe. I think that would be pretty yeah. impactful. Um, I think Aqib Tlaib had six or seven picks, though, his last year, and he wasn't obviously even a touching finalist. Well, how many pick sixes did he have? One? Two? Mm, I don't know. I mean, he had, two, the, he had maybe? the Virginia Tech one, obviously. But. Yeah. I think the funniest answer, though, is... Jared Casey. No, for me, it's the offensive lineman or the punter. <laughs> Logan Brown. But yeah, no, if I'm if I'm picking one, I'm going to go with Devin Neal because I just think that'd be so fun with how unstoppable the offense would be. Jared Casey. Dan, what is the best thing to eat and drink on 4th of July? Hmm, interesting. Uh, okay, when it comes to drinking, I feel like it's pretty open-ended. You could probably have a lot of different drinks and it's fine. I mean... Beer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, if you are drinking beer on Fourth of July, to me, to I think it has type? to be like—I don't think it has to be a specific type. It has to be like, has to be like a domestic type. So it has to be no, like I, I don't think it has to be a specific brand. I guess. Oh, okay. I just think it has to be like a domestic. Like, I don't think Fourth so of July, drink like Dos Equis. No, that's that's a domestic basically. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, a domestic adjacent, I guess. I don't think Fourth of July is the day to pull out your, you know oatmeal stout or your uh, whatever porter or your uh, crazy like I don't know like craft beer to me it's just you have a cooler with some ice some domestic beer on it America 
You know, like, I don't know. Uh, and then as far as food, like, I think that's kind of open-ended too, but just something on the grill. Hot dogs. Yeah, anything on the grill. Hot dogs, I mean, I don't really like hot dogs broths. that much, but on July 4th, you got to get a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, it's got to be grilled. It's got to be something grilled. Doesn't necessarily have to be hot dogs, but mm-hmm. hot dogs preferred, I would say. Because what other what other holiday are you going to eat hot dog for? There isn't one. <laughs> There's not another holiday. You're Imagine for Thanksgiving this year, you, you go home, mom's like, well, we decided not to do a turkey this year. Here's some hot dogs. <laughs> the thing is, I used to like hot dogs as a kid. I don't really like hot dogs anymore. Hmm. I like a good hot dog. Unless I'm like, unless it's 4th of July mm-hmm. or I'm at a baseball game. Okay. Those are my Festive. criteria for eating a hot dog. Oh, that's fine. I also do think the location of the beer makes it good or better on 4th of July. In what way? Like at the lake. Oh. Or like by a campfire. I would just agree with or that in general. like, you know. Drinking a beer is better on the beach than it is in your basement. <laughs> of course it is. Something beautiful. To that. I don't even really like beer that much, to be honest. No. But if you, I, I'm just saying, like, you don't have to drink beer on 4th of July, but if you do, I think oh, that's yeah. my rule for it. Well, what else would you drink? Well, you can drink soda, water, do whatever you like. Oh, you okay. know. Yeah, that stuff yeah, is just cool. like, you can drink that one. I don't know. That would be my well, thing. But he, Dan asked um, what to eat, what specific yeah, what, to drink what on 4th of July. I also think baked beans. That's got, uh, to me, Dude, that's a staple what? for 4th of July. You have to have baked. Because you're, that's, you're that's having all thing. this grilled food. You have to have sides. I'm not eating baked beans. Baked beans. No. Why? Because I don't like baked beans. Okay, well, that's your problem. Eat them anyway. Stuff them no, down your gullet. That's weird. Um, potato salad, maybe. I'm not a potato salad guy. You have to have some sort of side. Well, yeah, obviously. You have, like, you know, mac and cheese or potato chips or, mm. I don't know. Beans. Not bad sides. <laughs> this is from Eli. If you could add one current KU basketball player to the football team this upcoming season, who are you picking? What positions are they playing? And uh, basketball players still get to play in the basketball team too. So you're not, you're not like, oh crap! But if I take Hunter Dickinson away, is the basketball team going to be any good? They still get to play basketball. This is an interesting question. All right, let's break it down. I think Dewan Harris. I just don't know what he would play, and he's kind of too small. And I, don't I want feel like he could be a good corner. He, you say Maybe. he's small, but he's like six one, six two. Which See, on the I know this field. is the issue with basketball and football is like. Oh, Dwan Harris is small. We'd yeah. be like KU's tallest corner, probably. Right. No, it's like it was like during you, you obviously didn't watch the match. I saw, but I saw the tweets about it. Where Steph it was like, Curry. Steph Curry's like the smallest player yes, in the league. And he's and like he's looking like, down on Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Yes. No. He's yeah. I saw, taller than him. Yeah. I saw yeah. those tweets. Yeah. So okay, let's be. I still don't think Dwan Harris is the pick. I think he would be a good corner though. Kevin McCuller probably is too injury prone for me. What would he play? I don't know. I'm not going to pick Nick Timberlake because he's kind of old. Would Kevin McCuller be like the Craig Young hawk position? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nick Timberlake's too old, I think. I don't want him out there. Uh, I think KJ Adams is maybe the maybe the pick at tight end or defensive end. Yeah, tight end. P- defensive I mean, end. Even maybe, linebacker, people have literally maybe? asked him questions about playing defensive end. Yeah. So he's maybe the most obvious. But he might be too light. He's only like 220, 225. He'd be fine. I'm thinking linebacker for KJ. Fast athlete. Hunter Dickinson hitting you over the middle. I don't know where you play him. Okay, so I actually have a theory on. Or this. you put him at? You play Hunter Dickinson at like offensive tackle? Well, okay. Here's here's my thought. We are under the assumption in this question, and I think this is how you're doing it. That just like take the best athlete. Realistically, what if all these guys just suck at football? No, I think that's very possible. So, and if that is the possibility, I think that's extremely possible. Then I would go with Hunter Dickinson. 
Why? Because you can at least fit a role for him. Here would be the role. Goal line offense, throw him up the ball. He's 7-1, seven, 7-2, seven, whatever, right? Who's defending that? Okay. And option number two, field goal block. So I'm stand in the middle, hands up, jump, try to block a field goal. Okay, yeah. Because if, if, all, if, the, if assume, all of them suck, if you assume you everyone's bad, that. If you assume everyone's bad, that's probably the best Yes. Thing. But if you assume that like they're competent football players. Then I think KJ. I think KJ. I also think you can make a case for El Marco at receiver. Yeah. Put him at receiver. Oh, that's a good one. Run fast. He can jump high. Throw him the ball. Yeah, I like that's El a Marco really good one. Receiver. I like El Marco a well, lot. Okay, what about Parker Brown? We keep hearing he's he's better athlete than Christian Brown. And he's 6'11". Could he Dude, stretch the field? You can say he's a better athlete than Christian Brown all you want. I don't. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Dude, if he's like 6'10 and is fast as a deer, he could stretch the field. He'd be the ultimate downfield First target. Just where throw it up and go get it. Fast as a deer even I don't come know. from? Couldn't think of another animal. Fast as a cheetah. Dude, um, what? 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 The cheetahs are fast. No, yeah, cheetah makes sense. Yeah. Deer. What? What's up with that? I just, you know, got to say something. Uh, Can't have dead air. I'm picking on Marco Jackson. Put him um, at receiver. Yeah, I, I actually do think that Dewan as a corner might end up being the best, but this team doesn't really need corner as much. So, yeah, I'd be tempted by K.J. Adams on the defensive line. or K.J. Elmarco, Hunter Dickens in the top three. I do think Elmarco actually is the, <clears throat> the guest, though. I mean, yep. he's he's so athletic, man. Yep. And, and, again, like you view him on the basketball court. Oh, he's a bit shorter. At 6'2", six 6'3", six whatever he is, yes, he'd, he'd be, be a big receiver. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I think, I think that is the answer. And jump super high, mm-hmm. throw him the ball. Instant success. Yeah. And That's for all we know, any of these guys did play football in high school. I just I don't know. Uh, this one from Sal. What would Jalen Daniels have to do this season to go down as the greatest KU quarterback of all time? All right. So when I first saw this question, in my head I was like, nothing. He need it would need to be he would need to come back, and then next season would be the season where he would do whatever to become the greatest quarterback of all time for KU. But then I was like, you know, if he wins the Heisman this season. He's instantly the greatest Correct. for KU. Yeah, that would be it. Uh, question for me becomes, okay, so there have been three. But KU- if he doesn't, like, let's let, let's let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't win the Heisman and KU goes 9-3 and three and makes the Big 12 title game, do, does he have to win it? Or just ma- or does just making it make him the greatest quarterback of all time? Man. I don't know. That's a tough one. Because uh, I, I keep going back to the Heisman. He doesn't necessarily have to win it, but, like, KU has only had one Heisman finalist ever, and they've had two other players receive Heisman votes. Those are all quarterbacks. John Hadle, Bobby Douglas, David Janes. Now, Todd Reesing did not receive any Heisman votes, but that was such a loaded year at quarterback when you look at Sam Bradford, Colt McCoy, Tim Tebow, like all those guys on and on and on down the list, um, that it's interesting even to have the debate who is the number one guy right now. Like Todd Reesing from all the statistics obviously blows everyone out of the water, but that's also a different era of KU football. Like you yep. could just argue that if you're basing it on how you did versus your competition that year, which maybe is the best way to judge it, then he'd have to be fourth because he wasn't uh, a guy who got Heisman votes. Or maybe you could argue he's second because maybe he should have got Heisman votes, but it was too deep of a year, but he wasn't a Heisman finalist, right? To where maybe you'd say like John Hadle is the greatest of all time. Um, I do think that you'd have to at least get Heisman votes if you're Jalen Daniels or win a national title, right? If, if you have a Todd Reese year where you put up great stats, but you don't get any Heisman votes and you win a national title, obviously, but that's not realistic. I don't it, think he needs to win a national title. No, I'm, I'm saying if he doesn't like become a Heisman guy. He could just win the Big 12 title. Yeah, if he wins the Big 12 title and puts up, let's say he just puts up the numbers he was on pace for last year. And puts up big numbers, but isn't a Heisman finalist, he's probably there. 
I don't. I think it'd still be Todd Reese ahead of him at that point, and maybe John Hadle and and some of those other guys for the Heisman thing. Oh man, win the Big Twelve title? Like, when? Uh, that's pretty big, I would say. But see, if if they're winning the Big Twelve title and he's not a getting any Heisman votes, it could be not all on him. I I think that you need like maybe Heisman's the wrong way to look at it, like All American level. Be first or second team All American. Be All Big 12 first team. Be Big 12 Player of the Year offensively, right? Like maybe, yeah, like you said, win the Big 12 championship. I think there's ways yeah. that he can actually get there in this year, which is pretty incredible. But to me, what's most realistic is have a really great year this year. You know, maybe win seven, eight games, win a bowl game. Then next year, you're set up to become the greatest of all time if you have another yeah. really great year. This one from Elmis, I think. Uh, build the perfect KU basketball player out of Bill Self career bench guys. Hmm. Wow. I got something here. This is a kind of a tough. All right. So experience, age. I'm going with Jalen Coleman, Lance. Okay. You well, know. he's the oldest player ever. Yeah. So, so you want you, you can't want him? Anybody? He's got all the experience, right? You can't get anybody more experienced. I was trying to think of somebody with taller height than this guy, Hunter Mickelson. I guess he did start some games. I don't know if that eliminates yeah. him. More more often, he was a bench guy though. Because Mitch, like, why don't you just say like Mitch Lightfoot? Because Hunter Mickelson was six ten. Mitch was only six eight. Well, I mean, what, so I'm taking the height. You need the most tallest player. I want to. I, he said, "Builds the best KU basketball player you can." <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't isn't taller better? I, I, uh, I, I guess. Okay, I don't know. So, so give me six ten length. I'm gonna go Sheck Diallo. Is he really a bench player though? Yeah, he started one game. Yeah, but he only how many games did he play? In? I don't know, like twenty five, something like that. Mm, okay. Sheck Diallo, we're going with his length and like wingspan and stuff. Uh, athleticism, we're gonna go Jamari Trailer. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Um, shooting, a lot of good options here. We could go back to Jalen Coleman Lance. I'm going to go Brandon Green for the shooting. Are there any strings attached with picking Brandon Green? As no, no, because this is only you're building, you're taking the best parts and building them <laughs> out of it. So I don't have to worry about the other stuff. I'm just getting the shooting from Brandon Green. Uh, ball handling, Charlie Moore. I think it would be good. He, he actually, you know, you saw it in Miami, like good ball handler and stuff. Okay. Uh, and again, most, most like guards... They're not like long. I don't know what other guards I'd have to choose from, to be honest. Mm. Like Connor Frankamp. Joe Yesifu. Joe Yesifu, yeah. I'm, I'm taking Charlie <laughs> Moore there. Uh, defense. I think perimeter defense. Jeff Hawkins, that's an easy one. Bill Self said, I forget if it was on a Hawk Talk or something like a year or two ago, that he was one of his best perimeter defenders that he's like ever had. So we'll take Jeff Hawkins, perimeter defense. Shot blocking, I will go Mitch Lightfoot. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say, if you're going to build the best... KU career bench. You gotta have guy. something from it. You gotta have something from it. Yeah, I tried to take something different from everybody. A basketball IQ. How about Jeremy Case? He's a coach now. That makes sense. Right? Yeah, I mean, if he's a coach, he's gotta have a pretty high IQ. Yeah. I would hope. Is there anyone we could put for like that dog in him? Got that dog. Is there any any bench player? I, I, I will give you this, but it's unconfirmed. Okay. Parker Brown. <laughs> we also don't know if he's gonna be a career bench player. What do you um, mean? Yes, he is. I guess that's true. Yeah, there, no, we do. You're right. We do. Um, because, yeah. Parker Brown. But Because for okay. an extension of Christian Brown. That's a, Okay, that's actually a good one. Got that, that is a good dog. One. Um, you know, part of the problem, though, when you're trying to think about the best like defensive guys or the guys who have that dog in them, if you have that, usually you're starting. You yeah, know? especially for a Bill So it makes it tough, yeah. yeah and then uh, I have one last category, which is vibes. Mm. Either Dwight Colby or KJ Lawson. Those are good vibes. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what that means. Just good vibes, man. Well, like what? Like what? Like good vibes help the team. So like you know, uh, locker room guy. Locker room, basketball. <laughs> There's vibes in general. <laughs> okay. Can we count Remy Martin? Sure. 
Yeah, why not? Kind of a bench guy. I guess we could do Remy Martin shot creation. Be an option here. Actually, I think we might need to veto Remy Martin. Okay. Because he 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 started. Some games. Not a ton. He would have started more if he wasn't hurt, I think. How many games do you think Remy Martin started in his time at Kansas? Mm, probably like five. Here, do you want me to tell you how many games he played first? He probably played like, what, 15? 30. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Shocked me too. Walks <laughs> way off. He started 13 games. That's also more than I thought. So, yeah, I, think, yeah. I don't think we can count Remy. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah. Remy's off the board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for That's submitting questions. Good. You can hit us up with more questions at RCST1320 for uh, next week's edition of the Mailbag. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll have Florida Man Mad Libs in about 15 minutes from right now. Uh, first, before we do that, uh, some big news from the past day or so. Dak Brinkley, a four-star commit, becomes the highest-rated commit for KU in this awesome class of 2024. He picked KU yesterday. Ithiel Horton is visiting this week for the KU basketball team. He is a uh, grad transfer who's being his sixth-year possible Jalen Coleman lands role candidate. You can find more on both of those conversations. Certainly a big deal uh, from our open in the best of RCST podcast, wherever you find any of your podcasts. The Big 12 uh, football awards, though, were also released. The preseason awards. Yes, the preseason awards today. Uh, we're still waiting on the Big 12 preseason poll to come out that has all the teams 1 through 14. I feel like that'll come out tomorrow, but I don't I don't know. We'll see on that. Uh, but Kansas is uh, very well represented in these rankings. Yep. Most notably, Jalen Daniels is named the Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. Yeah, which is just... Fantastic news, obviously, for KU. And uh, the biggest thing to me is, you think about this, I mean, over the last 14 years, KU has had the worst quarterback play in the Big 12, like, maybe almost every year, except for, like, the year, like, one year of Carter Stanley. Yeah. And, like, maybe six games Michael Cummings. Michael Cummings. Cummings. Yes. Other than that, KU's pretty much had the worst quarterback play in the Big 12, like, unequivocally. You go from that to bringing in Jalen Daniels, when he was younger, showing some promise. Last year, a Heisman Heisman talk, first five games of the season, to now this, where you enter the season and you can make a very real argument, and obviously the media agrees, that Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback in the Big 12 coming into this season. So that's just a, such a, a complete 180 from what KU is used to seeing, from what KU fans are used to seeing. It's very, very significant. Uh, the other aspect of this, though, is that now – you look at the respect that KU is getting on the offensive side of the ball, especially with Jalen Daniels, you're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. Teams are going to be prepared for you. Teams are going to be ready for you. So how does KU respond to that? But still, this is really, really great to see uh, for KU, and I think well-deserved for Jalen Daniels, who, again, is certainly a top three quarterback in the league, and I think a very, very real argument can be made right now today that he is the, the best coming back, and that will be put to the, to the test once the season starts. To me, there's four quarterbacks in the top tier of the Big 12. Dylan Gabriel, Quinn Ewers, potentially. Will Howard and Jalen Daniels. I think John Reese Plumley, uh, good I'm production not, is a dual threat, but I'm not putting him up there. I'm not ready to put Will Howard in there. He wasn't even the starter. I mean, but you could make the like Will Howard and Jalen Daniels ended up playing like the same amount of games. That doesn't matter to my narrative. Doesn't matter to you? Okay. That doesn't, that doesn't fit my narrative. See, I would actually have a, an easier time if you wanted to loft Quinn Ewers out of that just from 
the lack of production last year, but I understand the potential in another year of, of continuity with the program. Uh, but among all the quarterbacks who are either returning into the Big 12 or are part of quarterback competition, so like I'm not counting Jason Bean. He's not uh, part of the quarterback competition at KU. Um, for all the Big 12 teams or guys that transferred in. Jalen Daniels ranks first in completion percentage, yards per attempt, uh, interceptions per game, total touchdowns per game, and total QBR uh, of guys from their last year's stats. He also ranks third in touchdown passes per game, and he ranks second in rushing yards per game, rushing touchdowns per game, and total yards per game. He's the complete package, absolute dude. Uh, He's a great leader out there as well, explosive personality. He is a big reason why Kansas has started to turn this thing around. So, yeah, absolutely well-deserved for him to be on there. Uh, The other guys who got representation for KU, though, Devin Neal was on the first-team All-Big 12 list. Or I guess so for the preseason list, it's really only first-team. Um, the second team and the third team, I don't even remember if they do a third team, but the honorable mention that they do in the postseason, they don't do that in the preseason. It's just first team. So Devin Neal got on the All-Big 12 team with Richard Reese from Baylor. I was sad that I voted. I had a vote in this. I voted Jared Casey to be the fullback because there's not a lot of fullbacks. It ended up going to Ben Sinnott, who's you know more of like a tight end with Kansas State. But you know, they should I, I just get it. change it from fullback to H-back. Yeah. Because then be that opens that. it up more for like – because nobody – I mean – Dude, it's 2023, not 1985. Fullbacks, what? <laughs> yeah. And also, this isn't the Big Ten or Wisconsin. No. I think you're right. Do an H-back. But I, I thought Jared Casey deserved some uh, credit. So, I, uh, unfortunately, they don't have honorable mention on this, so he doesn't get any credit, even though I voted him there. That's sad. Mike Nowitzki also was on the I think the you just want team. Jared Casey to know that you voted for him. Oh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> You think Jared listens to the show? Sure. That'd be nice if he did. I think he should have been I on there. I hope he does. Uh, to be clear, I voted, I honestly don't remember everyone on my ballot, but, you know. Uh, yeah, Jared Casey was on there. That's all that matters. Uh, Mike Nowitzki is on the first. You know what's funny? I think I actually voted uh, Dominic Pooney on this team. Yeah, you've always been a big Dominic have Pooney been. fan. So I wanted obviously, to vote yeah, that worked out for you last year. He it was did. one of the best offensive linemen for KU. Yeah. Uh, but I think Nowitzki, just from the veteran standpoint, leadership the, standpoint, yeah, being leadership, the center, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I'm I'm totally cool with it. Nowitzki's really good too. Uh, so you get three guys on the offense, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you get Kobe Bryant, which that makes a lot of sense. He was first team All Conference postseason last year, so why would he get knocked off this year? Uh, very well deserved. And and when you total it up, that means four players for KU got All Big Twelve preseason. Texas got five players on the list between first and second, or, or between uh, offense and defense. The schools with four, it's TCU, Kansas State, and Kansas, which means that if you're just doing like a dude tracker, that means Kansas is tied <laughs> second in the Big 12 in dudes, in all Big 12 dudes. That's a good number to be at. That is a good number to be at. Yeah, very impressive. And, and again, three of them on the offense, you expect the offense to be really elite. And uh, that just goes to show that it's not just like, us or KU fans blowing steam about yeah. the KU offense. Also, one of TCU's good. is a kicker, so realistically, <laughs> you know, we can notch them off. Oh, just slander TCU. I'm just but saying. But yeah, I mean, the real situation is, you know, this is not just offseason blowing steam thinking KU's offense is going to be good. They're, you know, KU's offense is getting noticed around the Big 12 and around the country as being an offense to watch for the for the season as a legitimate elite level offense, and uh, that's really, really exciting. By the way, is this the year of Jalen? 
You have Jalen Daniels, who's the offensive player of the year. Jalen Ford from Texas, their linebacker, is the defensive player of the year. And then we also have a Jalen Hutchings, a defensive lineman from Texas Tech, who's on the all-conference defensive team. I think you need more than three. Three doesn't do it for you? Dude, it's a whole year. You're going to have three guys for the whole year? You need more than that. That's a pretty good three, though. No, you need more Jalens. You need more Jalens. What if I told you those ended up being the two best players in the country? With Jalen Daniels and, and Jalen Ford. Is that yeah, making the year of the Jalen? Well, you can't guarantee that, so you that's not a fair statement. To but make. we also got Jalen Wilson, who played part of 2023. Sure. So that adds yeah. to the year of Jalen's. <laughs> if you throw Jalen Wilson in there, I'll, I'm buying a little more. But I don't know, man. To, for it to be the year of blank of a name, you need to have like... Jalen Hurts? Five guys. Jalen Brunson? Jalen no. Green. You know what Jalen Hurts is? He's a loser. Wow. He's lost. I'm just saying, man. Could be the year of Jalen. <laughs> uh, if no. if Jalen Daniels ends up being, I'll say this. Uh, I think just Let's, more. I think we just if we circle back to this in December, and he is and first team. And he's like first team All American. And the other, what's the other, the Jalen guy for the defense? Oh, Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford. He's like one of the best players. Whatever. Okay. There's other. You will Jaylens. allow it. I think maybe I would motion okay. for it to be passed that it's the year, Jalen. Um, but just in terms of if Jalen Daniels ends up living up to this award, because I, there was the one year that Dorrance Armstrong, he had the great, I think it was his sophomore year, when he put up a bunch of big totals, sacks, all that stuff. He was like first team all Big 12. And then coming into that next year, he was Big 12 defensive player of the year, coming into the year. KU that next year won maybe two games. There's one or two games, something, maybe three. Um, he didn't have as big of an impact statistically because he was getting like double teamed. He ended up, you know, he's he's had a very nice NFL career since then. Uh, but you were unable to get him to that award. And again, part of that's different for defensive end because you can get taken out maybe a little bit easier than than quarterbacks who they are getting the ball every time. Um, so there's no guarantee it, it works out and everything. But I, I think we with Jalen Daniels, you do have enough trust there that it will. And the big question obviously becomes the injury stuff. If he stays healthy, if he ends up realistically, if Jalen Daniels wins offensive player of the year at the end of the year, what is that worth to you? What does that mean that KU, their floor is going to be from a, ter- a wins perspective? Oh, OK. So you're saying if he wins it, how many wins will they have? Like at minimum. Because you have to acknowledge, right, if a player wins Offensive Player of the Year, A, it probably means the team did pretty good. Yeah. B, it means that you're that good that it's going to raise the team's oh, bar. Oh, sure, yeah. You know? I would still say six or seven. I don't know. You think it's higher? I don't know, man. If they go six and six, those numbers better be stupid good. But it also depends on the other guys, right? Like, uh, what if Dylan yeah. Gabriel puts yeah. up yeah. really good numbers, but they're, you know, ten and two, it's going to be hard to win it. So, okay, so maybe eight? I think, yeah, at that point, if you're winning Offensive Player of the Year, I think probably eight. And maybe it is one of those situations where it's like, well, do you get Offensive Player of the Year because you were a good player on a good team? Or, or do you get Offensive Player of the Year because you just put up insane numbers? Insane numbers and that made the team be good, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. But, yeah, I mean, that would make me feel confident that they would win at least seven games, I, I think, coming into the year. Maybe there is a little bit of a boost you get for KU because it is – uh, there's still that aura around. Yeah, if like, you did seven if, wins with KU, yeah, it's graded if, on a curve that ten wins for Oklahoma. I don't know if like honeymoon phase is the right term for it, but yeah, still like that that positive feeling around KU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're gonna take a timeout. Florida man Mad Libs coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 
This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk News Alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a Naples home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That time of the week, Florida Man Mad Libs with Sam Speck, Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Howdy. Let's get to it, boys. I'll tell you what, and happy 4th of July to both of you as well and all Thank of our you. listeners out happy there. Happy 5th of July, too. It, well, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Happy Wednesday, wow. so 5th of July. In the moment. So original. Happy Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 3 to 6 p.m. Mm. every day, Monday through Friday. There you go. And, of True, course, yeah. uh, Florida Man Mad Libs back on a Wednesday, as we always do here. And, it, you know, speaking on behalf of 4th of July yesterday and the days before, we spoke about this off the air. I am surprised at the lack thereof of firework-related headlines. So uh, don't be surprised if there People isn't any. being safer. I feel like they'll yeah. just, they have to siphon out because first they have to go to the hospital and then it's <laughs> so, I feel like so next they are week. to come. Yeah, next yeah, exactly. Week, yeah. Next Florida Man, we might have those. But Could be. Again, uh, happy 4th to all of those out there. Here's how it works. We've got four headlines coming at you. They're all legitimate, by the way. The first round will have one redacted word or phrase with a point value of one. The next three headlines will have two redacted words or phrases, and that has a point value upwards of three points potentially there. So we will uh, have, of course, these laid out to them. The redacted words will then be guessed upon by our two opponents and suggested by you at home to follow along and keep your score as well. And by the way, score-wise, Nick, buddy, you are struggling right now. Oh. Here in the summer season, I, I hate to put it so bluntly, but well, uh, you know. it's time for a comeback early on. But Derek, right now, three and zero in the summer. During season. the off season, we went took a trip to Cancun <laughs> and uh, just came back, not locked in, no, just a little rusty. You know. All right, so let's won the get champ, into won it. the title, went to Cancun to celebrate. Actually, I won the title last time. So you, well, you, the time before that, yeah. There yeah, you go. Well, yeah, what? I'm just saying. As Derek's got both of both of his trophies next to his shoulder, right there. But nonetheless. We are still early on in our summer season. Let's get to it again. Just one redacted word or phrase in our first headline. Gentlemen, you ready? Yes. Uh, All right. Uh, yes. All right. I'd say we do it. And we're starting off with a bang. Florida man charged after playing basketball naked at a public park, stating to police, quote, it will blank. So this is a redacted entire phrase as to which he has said, not just uh, whichever. But here are your three options. Florida man charged after playing basketball naked at a public park, stating to police, quote, it will attract other free-spirited ballers, enhance his skill level, or show his ex that he's right. So this one, again, starting off with a bang here. Let me okay. go again. It will attract other free-spirited ballers, enhance his skill level, or show his ex that he's right. Okay, I, with the show on your <laughs> ex, to unpack. with the show on the, your ex that you're right. What, way? What are you being right about? That you're getting arrested for being naked in the public setting? Because you're right about that. They that's broke sure. up because they were arguing so long that he was like, "I would too get arrested if I was playing basketball naked." She's like, "No, yeah, you yeah, get I, arrested. I, you just get fined." I, I don't understand. I don't um, understand what you're trying to prove with that one. So that makes me think that I don't think that one's right. I just don't know. I just don't understand what you're doing. I think it's a free-spirited one, you know. (laughs) I think it could be the enhanced their skills. It could be free-spirited. This guy could be thinking, like, if I play without clothes, now if I put my Jordans on. Become more aerodynamic or what? 
Well, no, and he's, he's like, if I can play without shoes on and all these other clothes, then once I put clothes on, it's going to make me unstoppable. You know? I'm going to have Jordans on. It's going to let me jump another three that is inches. the dumbest logic I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I'm going to go with the uh, ex-girlfriend one. Oh, I'm Derek's gonna, locking in with the ex. Okay. I'm going to go with free spirit. You know, he's playing basketball. He's like, he's a nudist, plays basketball, and he's like, you know, I wish I didn't have to play with all these clothed mm-hmm. people. So maybe if I go start play, a league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're gonna start a, a new nudist, basketball. A nudist basketball league. He just happened so to he do it. Wanted to encourage people to come. So play that's with what him. the N in NBA stands for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the nudist the basketball, basketball association. association. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go with free spirited ballers. All right, everybody's locked in, and for those at home, lock yourselves in. Here it is: Florida man charged after playing basketball naked at a public park, stating to police, "Quote." It will enhance his skill level. So uh, the house comes uh, away with this one. Man, but, uh, done with it. Yeah, maybe it was aerodynamics. Yeah. Maybe it was just the yeah, weight well, of the I clothing. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, that was uh, that was it. I House have coming a away. lot of questions. Okay, well, Mainly clearly the logic is, is not there on. if he did this. So, All right. Uh, again, starting off with a bang, and we just continue to go downhill from there. All of these, by the way, are down in the Sunshine State, so they are shining away down there in Florida this last guy, seven this days. Uh, you, the sun don't shine. <laughs> no, exactly. There with the joke. What? Pieces were there. I, I saw what you were trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Fumbled it. But there we go. Again, these next three headlines, so they will have two redacted words or phrases with the point value upwards of three points, so keep that in mind. Uh, again, we will redact both and just do one at a time, but here we go. Young Florida man charged with animal cruelty for using blank to blank and by the way all animals were fine just a disclaimer there nothing was uh, too too bad but he was charged thank goodness i'm glad to hear that uh it, you see i, like nick, nick, young I, I really man. care yeah they i don't, added I'm the confused. extra adjective i'm confused right? by that yeah young florida man charged with animal cruelty for using either a baby alligator a prized parrot or again, fried bologna to blank. And you don't know the second blank just yet. So, again, the One animal of those cruelty. answers is not like the other. Why did it have to be fried bologna? <laughs> Who eats fried? I feel like the only time you... I, I, fried bologna sandwich. But does the bologna get fried or is the... I think you fry the bologna. No, you don't. You put the bologna in I the sandwich. Honest, you, can, you can pan fry bologna. I'm sure even, you can deep fry bologna. I don't even bologna. know what bologna is. It's Nobody just does. a just massive meat. It's like a yeah. hot dog. <laughs> just eat it. You don't what, know what's in what it. Is it. What is it? What is it? What is bologna? Okay, so again, he was charged with animal cruelty for using, again, either a baby gator, prized parrot, or fried bologna to do well, something. Obviously we'll get if to the it's second in Florida, one. The baby gator one. And there's a lot of times no. we've overlooked the gator because we're like, it's too obvious. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to go straight and narrow here. Baby gator. All right, Nick's that going with gator. That was my thought, too, because like, it would be a obviously an issue. You can't put a baby gator like with a dog or something. Or You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Or I was thinking maybe he was using the prize. I was thinking maybe he's using the prize parrot and he like taught it bad words and was going around like harassing <laughs> <laughs> just harassing the like, public. I didn't yeah. say it. That's what I was. That's, what what I was gonna arrest that's kind of what I was thinking. I actually like that. I'm going with parrot. <laughs> All right, so but that's Derek's right. I'm gonna be kind of mad. You convinced me. Uh, Derek's gonna lock in with parrot here. Let's get to the second one. Young Florida man charged with animal cruelty for using again either a baby alligator, a prize parrot, or fried bologna to feed a manatee. To hold its fireworks or to shotgun a twisted T. So of these three options, again, he was either using a gator, a parrot, or bologna to either feed the manatee, hold their I fireworks. I really want somebody to be giving the bologna to the manatee. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so would that, funny. Would that be, is that, is that animal, animal cruelty? I don't I mean, know. I assume it is. I Just guess. giving him a bunch know, of fat. What if bologna is made of manatee? That's yeah, messed so up. Right? Twisted, no, that's messed yeah. Up. That's messed up. Who knows? It is Man, a mystery this is, beat. This is so. a tough one. I don't feel like the alligator would be good to hold the fireworks unless it's like in the alligator's mouth, but that just doesn't make any sense. 
Or maybe put it on its back. Uh, The prized parrot or, uh, okay, so uh, either feed a manatee, hold its fireworks, or shotgun a twisted tea. So I would assume like I'm going to go shotgun a twisted tea. You got the parrot. He can open the thing with his beak. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Kind of bite it. I'm just going to go with holds fireworks. I don't love it, but I don't know. I don't really love any of the answers. We'll see how it goes. So here it is. Are you guys locked in on your second one? You at uh, those at home locking in. Young Florida man charged with animal cruelty for using a baby alligator to shotgun a twisted tea. And that's exactly what it was. He used the alligator to bite the end of the beer can or whatever, or the twisted tea can, and then uh, presumably shotgunned it down that's from just, there. That's just so stupid. I like, would imagine he had it so filmed, like, too. Just be normal and use, like, a key or something to Yeah, but think about the clicks. Or think about the uh, the views, the TikTok. Have there you thought you about go. the jail time also? I don't he probably think, didn't I don't think, think it was illegal. I don't think he did think about the jail time. He thought it was illegal. He was just like, I'm going to get mad views on this TikTok if I use an alligator to open no. it. That's, that it is be. stupid. Mm. It is. Really stupid. I I found it kind of funny, you know, thinking of a prize parrot holding fireworks just flying Dude, around I think and, the and going nuts or something like that. Exactly <laughs> I, that I was wishing that, that was the story. Uh, either way, both of you guys come away with a point there, so let's get to the second one here as, uh, again, two redacted words or phrases. This one's kind of wild, to be honest with you. Florida man accidentally blanks during job interview at blank. So we'll get to the first redacted Oops. word. I'm really confused. Florida man accidentally solves a cold case, shoots himself, or incriminates himself during job interview at blank. And we'll get to the second one in just a moment. But again, we'll focus on the first three. He's either solving a great cold case here. He either accidentally shot himself or incriminated himself this at one, his job interview. All three of those leave it open to, the depending on the second one, mm-hmm. like the job interview. Like, where is the job interview taking place at? Because if it's like the FBI, then like it would make sense that he just accidentally solved a cold case. How did he shoot himself during a job interview? This job well, interview. It's probably. I, I think Florida is an open carry state. Yeah, if you mishandle it, like just had one in your pocket yeah, just, or something like yeah, that, I didn't have a correct case or. But I don't. Or but what I don't understand with that is what's the correlation between that and whatever he's trying to get job interview for. I think it's just the idiocracy, more or less. So? Yeah, he exactly. Was just just a job okay. in, in a ludicrous area. I'm gonna yeah. go incriminate himself. So Derek's gonna go. Incriminate. You think he's trying to get a job interview with like the cops, and he's like, "No, I I think that he just admitted to me." That's the funniest thing. It's like if he's trying to interview for like the FBI or something, and then maybe I'm almost envisioning that it's just like he wants to work like part time at like Taco Bell or something, (laughs) and they're like, "Well, we see on your resume here, there's a gap between you didn't work anywhere." And he was like, "Oh, I just robbed some banks. I had to lay low for a while because I yeah robbed some banks or whatever." (laughs) I'm going to go with that one. So Derek's locking in incriminating himself. I'm going to go himself. with uh, solves a cold case. So Nick going solving a cold case, incriminating himself for Derek. Uh, Florida man accidentally, again, either solves that cold case, shoots himself, or incriminates himself during job interview at the sheriff's office, an elementary school, or the corner. Oh. So of those three, yeah, again, kind of open to a lot of different the, avenues. The cold case corner. makes the most sense with the corner, I think. It could, or the the or sheriff's, the sheriff's office. office. I mean, the sheriff's office. No, I think the corner makes more. The sheriff's sense. office and the corner work for both of ours. I mean, the school could, I guess, hypothetically. You could find a clue at the school or something yeah. like that, or maybe you know. I think, so you think at the corner's office, he's like interviewing, and he's like, "Wait a second, I'm the one that." I think what happened was he was at the coroner's office. He saw the dead body, and it was probably somebody who was like murdered, and he murdered him. And that's what I said. I was, I was like, yeah, "Oh!" And he then was he was like, like "Oh, that's the guy that like, I oh, took out last week." I don't week. think he said it like that. He was probably <laughs> like, "Oh, is that guy this or something?" And they figured out in oh, some that's way. Vinny. Yeah, I, yeah. That's he was Vinny. like, I took out yeah, Vinny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vinny and I went out back last <laughs> yeah. week, and now here he is. Wow, what a coincidence! Yeah. 
Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah. so again, either a sheriff's office, the corner, or an elementary school is where this I'm all took place. I'm, uh, I'm going corner also. Both of them locking in with the corner. Well, hang on. Mm. Oh, Nick, second thoughts? Because if you're going corner, I think I should go sheriff's office. Just to up the chances? I'll go sheriff's hedge office. Hedge the bets, okay. Yeah, I'll hedge my bets. And with that, it didn't matter. The house wins. Gentleman wow. Florida man accidentally what? shot himself during job interview at elementary school. Again, disclaimer, everything's fine. Why did are you taking a gun to his school? Did he get the job? I hope not. He brought a gun to his school. What is wrong with you? The most ridiculous yeah. headline of the week, and the house comes away. That, that one was a difficult one. That guy needs to be in jail also. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the what? So it is still tied heading into the final round here. Listen, boys, I got offended with how well Derek did last week. I think you got nine points or yeah, something like a, that. I don't know if it's quite that much, but yeah, it was a lot. It was, it was ridiculous. So the house has come to play this week. Yeah. One to one heading into the final round. Here Damn. we go, gentlemen. So it is anybody's game. Florida man. Swings blank at beachgoers for ruining his blank. <laughs> so. Umbrella birthday. That's my off-the-cuff guess. Ooh, and Let's within see. the Wrong. first, you never know if you, you might want to stick with it because first redacted choice is either Florida man swings either a shovel, an umbrella, or an anchor at beachgoers for ruining his blank. Dude, anchor is <laughs> hard. <laughs> Aren't those like those are heavy. 200 pounds? Yes, they, they can be. Yeah, Dude, I guess it what? could be for a smaller boat. <laughs> like a yeah, like it's a raft. Still gotta or be a yeah, it's still gotta be heavy. I'm. I don't think it's anchor. Okay, I think he's like. Why building... did you have a shovel at the beach? Dude, sandcastle. Sand... Yeah. What do you mean? Some like, people obviously. take their sandcastle yeah, but the seriously. Shovel, Dude, the shovel this guy, people Derek, use it. You this... did not just ask. No. What is the shovel at the beach? Hold on. Sandcastle. Hold on. The shovels that people use at the beach are toy shovels. That's what would make it even more funny. That's why it's part of the headline. I'm going umbrella. That was I'm my going initial yes. shovel because umbrella. somebody ruined a sandcastle. And uh, yeah, you never know. Whatever it may be. And I will say, I have seen folks use like those small foldable military shovels or whichever. Um, okay. Some people do take their sandcastle right. seriously, and you never know. So a Florida man swings either an anchor, an umbrella, or a shovel at beachgoers for ruining his chicken, his sandcastle, or his nap. See, sandcastle. So right of the three, <laughs> which one are you thinking here? I'm going sandcastle. I think it's a slam dunk. I'm kind of intrigued by chicken. Like, I I, I don't understand <laughs> that one at all. No, it makes a lot of sense. He's eating chicken. He brought that as his oh as his meal. Oh, I was and envisioning so, like a live chicken. No, no, no. And like somebody he had a pet chicken. Or something. And somebody's like walking by, or like let's say so there's some kids like playing football, and one of them catches it and dives, and it sprays sand onto him, and that sands all over his chicken. He can't eat it anymore. So he swings I was his umbrella definitely thinking like a live chicken. Yeah, <laughs> but nap makes a lot of sense too. Never I'm know. Gonna go chicken. I really want it to be chicken, so that's what I'm gonna pick. All right, Derek's <laughs> gonna lock in chicken. Nick, are you gonna are you gonna stick oh, with your sandcastle? Guy sandcastle? Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Slam this. I had this slam dunk from the start. And was that just a red herring? And it was. Florida man swings an anchor at beachgoers for ruining his chicken. Oh! And uh, that was <laughs> no! what it was. It was literally, he was just eating on the beach. I don't know where he got the anchor from wow. or what, you know, caused it to be, be his pollution. Uh, but so, Derek, there's I no won, way. I won an offensive shootout last game. This time I win a defensive slugfest. Look but at I'll take that. It. That was fantastic. Two, one. Two to one. There's just no chance. There we go. Love <laughs> it. All right. All right. ready for the house one? Let's hear it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We got to Cali- go quick, yeah. though. California woman throws blank into bank after blank. Oh. Okay. Oh, gosh. California woman throws baseball into bank after blank. Throws pigeon into bank after blank. Molotov cocktail oh, into gosh. bank after blank. Hey, the Molotov doesn't make a lot of sense because if you're trying to like get your money out, 
you're just gonna burn it with the, with the Molotov. Only if you hit the money. I gotta go with well, pigeon here. Th- I feel like. What pigeon. do you mean only if you hit the money? It's a bank. There's money everywhere. I feel like pigeons just odd enough to where it's like it, it almost makes sense. So I'm gonna go with the bird here. What is your guess? Throws a pigeon in there. Uh, 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 I don't think it's Molotov. I don't think baseball pigeon Molotov cocktail. I'll go baseball. All right, uh, California woman throws blank into bank after being denied bank loan, waiting in line too long, grandma's inheritance check bounced. Oh gosh, this is hard. Okay. Wait, what's the first two options? Being denied bank loan and waiting in line too long. All of these are are legitimate. I'm gonna go with waiting in line too long. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with denied. She got denied a loan or something like that. She's walking out of the bank, finds a pigeon, grabs it, and then throws it back to create chaos. I don't know. The correct answer: Woman throws Molotov cocktail into bank after waiting in line too long. Oh my god! (laughs) I got one. Oh lord, dude, that doesn't make any sense. That's quite the. You're burning all the money. I'll tell you what, that is quite the acceleration yeah. of... of How do we, what do we need to do to reintroduce some common sense into this world? That's what Florida Man Mad Libs is here for, folks. But nonetheless, thanks for including me in your fun. Derek, 2-1 to one this week. We will see you next week, though. All right, that's Sam Spack with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.